0: We are going to set this down here real quick. Starting a new sermon series this week called "Like Jesus." Um, as uh, as Hannah mentioned when we got started, we had some uh, kind of walked in the door this morning. Some some tech issues that hadn't shown up before, and so we were doing some troubleshooting. And um, usually, and I, you may know this, you may not, but those operating the slides for us in the back. Um, in the, they have on their computer screen what's on the screen, but they also can see what's next usually, so they can prepare and know what's coming. Um, but because of the tech issues today, um, that preview ability isn't available. Yeah. Um, so they've been flying blind, and I uh, just wanted to appreciate <laughs> uh, the fact that they're willing to be flexible and adapt and and lead us in worship, even though. Uh, their usual methods weren't weren't working well. We really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, we're starting a new sermon series called Like Jesus. Uh, last week was Easter. Jesus went to the cross. He died. He was resurrected. And uh, as Christians, that's our hope, right? That we could be like Jesus too, experiencing new life, this resurrection life. Um, The theme for this series is the idea behind every sermon in the series is the idea that being holy means being like Jesus. Right? So, when we say holy, when we talk about being holy, there's a lot of images that can come to our mind, there's a lot of ideas that can come to mind. But the underlying foundational idea for this whole sermon series is that being holy means being like Jesus. Not only appreciating what Jesus did, like, I really like Jesus. What a great guy. Um, and looking at things that he did and say, oh, those were good things. Not only do I like Jesus, um, but I become like Jesus. Right? Um, understanding how he did things is important, right? Like the way that he engaged the world. Um, with all that said, though, we do have to like Jesus in order to be like Jesus. When we look at how Jesus is on the cross forgiving his enemies that did this harm to him and said, man, that's good for him, but it's kind of, it's kind of weak to forgive your enemies. Like, we need to be fighting our enemies. Um, or when he, he tells us to love our enemies, right? Like, oh, well, that's kind of, yeah, I don't want to, like, the right answer is to be strong, to be tough. Like, when he tells us to be forgiving, to give grace... If we resist that, if we don't like that picture of Jesus that we get from the Gospels, if we don't like that Jesus, then we won't be like Jesus, right So first, we have to understand, and this is why we've spent since Christmas looking at stories from the life of Jesus, and so we can understand who He is, what he was like, um, so that we can be like Jesus um, and today we're going we're going to start that that series of looking how people were like Jesus uh, by looking at Peter's story many of us will be familiar with Peter you guys know Peter Um, there's a story early on in the Gospels, well earlier in the Gospels before Easter where um, the disciples are in a boat and there's a big storm and Jesus walks out on the water to the disciples it's one of the kind of the most bizarre miracles, right? Jesus just walks on the water out to the boat. And Peter's response to seeing Jesus on the boat was, tell me to get out of the boat and come walk on the water too, which is a very weird response. Uh, but that was his, his response. He wanted to get out and he wanted to walk on the water with Jesus. And if you know the story, you know that that doesn't go well for him. And then he ends up sinking, right? Right? He tried, Jesus invites him out, but he sinks because he takes his eyes off of Jesus. Um, a little while later, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah, like this bold declaration, you are the Messiah. But almost immediately thereafter, Jesus says, well, the Messiah must die. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. Um, that's not right. The Bible says he rebukes Jesus, um, And Peter gets this phrase thrown at him from Jesus. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Um, Probably not Peter's proudest moment. Um, And then the story of Holy Week. Peter's followed Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus is arrested. And people come up to Peter and say, oh, you're with that Jesus guy. You're one of his followers. And Peter denies him. Three times he denies Jesus being part of Jesus' group. Three times he denies knowing Jesus. So Peter, despite his best best efforts and his good intentions and his his desire to follow Jesus, uh, he lets his fear, his ambition, his confusion lead him off track at times. When confronted with circumstances that threaten his well-being, Peter denied his faith. He denied Jesus. He denied that Jesus had called him. And in the most difficult moments in Holy Week, he denies being a part of Jesus' group and wished to blend into the crowd. Peter had followed Jesus for years. He had abandoned his old way of life, given up his, his job, his way of living to follow Jesus. Jesus had called him by name. Jesus had given him a new name, Jesus was teaching him how to live, how to live out this kingdom, how to live out this calling, and it seemed like at times Peter was figuring it out. It seems like at at, at moments Peter was was willing to pay the cost, he was willing to, to step out, again, getting out of the boat, again, declaring Jesus as Messiah, going with Jesus into Jerusalem. These are big, bold steps, seems like he was ready to embrace that calling at any cost. But when push came to shove, like when the moment came, he sank. He argued. He rebuked. He denied. And so Peter might have been thinking in these moments, well, maybe it was a mistake to follow Jesus at this point. Maybe following Jesus... Didn't leave me where I was hoping it would. Maybe he led me in the wrong direction. I mean, after all, thinking through Holy Week, when Jesus, or when Peter denies knowing Jesus, Jesus had been arrested. He'd been beaten. He was on his way to the cross. Kind of looked like following Jesus led to a dead end. Apparently this mission was failing. Um, Peter's life looked like a dead end because he followed Jesus. And so when it came to these decisive moments, these, well, are you with that Jesus guy? Are you still willing to, to stay connected to this Jesus guy as he is on his way to the cross? Peter says, yeah, no, I don't know him. I'm not one of those people. Peter decided to deny Jesus, deny what he had been taught, what he had seen, and denied what he'd been called to. And so when given the opportunity to continue down the path that Jesus set him on or to to change paths and find another one, Peter said, Yeah, I'll I'll take the new path. This Jesus path doesn't seem to be working out for me so much. Um, He chose safety and comfort. That was Peter's story before Easter Sunday. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts. Chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. I hope I got these right, at least the right scriptures. Um, (laughs) But as we look at Peter's story, where it goes from Easter forward, um, I I hope you notice something that's changed in him. Acts 5, 27 through 32. When they had brought them... They had them stand before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised raised up Jesus, whom you have killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior, and he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, gather our minds that we may be one with you. Open our ears that we may hear your word. Soften our hearts that we may receive your wisdom. Speak to us for we, your servants, are listening. Amen. So Peter, like we said a moment ago, just days before the crucifixion, is intimidated by the crowd. He's overwhelmed by it. He denies knowing Jesus. He denies Jesus three times it's not like it was just a one-time mistake, but three times he says, no, I do not know this Jesus. And then he realizes what he's done, and he weeps. He's so distraught because he's denied Jesus. He's done his best to follow Jesus. He's, he, he's done his best to do what, what Jesus had taught him to do. But in these moments where things were uh, probably counted the most, where his allegiance to Jesus was tested the greatest... When things got the hardest, he quit following Jesus. But then our scripture today is, is just a few chapters into the book of Acts. It's just very early on into the story of the church. A short time after Holy Week and Peter, Peter's denial, just a few uh, pages, honestly, away from when he denies Jesus. And here is Peter standing in front of these religious leaders And in chapter 4 of Acts, he's already been arrested and threatened by these same leaders, told not to talk about Jesus anymore. Quick teaching in that name. We killed him trying to get rid of him, and now you're going to keep talking about him. They tried to use their power, their position, to get Peter and the other disciples to abandon the mission that Jesus gave them. They tried to threaten Peter in order to get him to stop following Jesus. Now, these are the same leaders who had a problem with Jesus. These are those same ones who contrived that whole situation to have him arrested and killed. They saw Jesus and his mission as the enemy. They wanted Jesus stopped, and so they had him arrested and killed. These are those leaders. And now they are threatening Peter and John and the others, and it seems like a credible threat. They've stopped him, they arrested him, and said, Quit preaching Jesus in this city. Like if Peter kept preaching and teaching and following the way of Jesus, his life would be at risk. It was obvious, based upon how these men responded to Jesus, that they meant business. They had it within them to carry out. These were not idle threats, they were real threats. Yet the same Peter who denied Jesus before Jesus was crucified is now standing boldly in front of these corrupt leaders, declaring that he will not listen to them. He will not follow their instructions. He will not abandon the mission and the calling that Jesus gave them to make disciples and to share the good news of Jesus. He would not listen to them. The same Peter who took his eyes off Jesus and sank in the Sea of Galilee when trying to walk on water, the same Jesus, uh, Peter who tried to tell Jesus that the Messiah wasn't supposed to die, the same Peter uh, who was called Satan by Jesus, is now standing in front of the people who had Jesus killed and saying, Do whatever you want to me, but I'm not going to stop preaching Jesus. I must follow him. I can't take my eyes off of Jesus. I can't abandon that which he has called me to. I must obey God not you guys. So what happened? How does Peter, the one who denied Jesus to some strangers in the crowd during Holy Week become the Peter who stood defiantly in front of the high priest of the temple and boldly declare I must follow God and not you? Where did that Peter come from? And this question can be more than a simple curiosity about what happened in Peter's story. I mean I I hope I hope you're curious about that like if this was a movie, you'd want to know what happened. This character seems to have a major shift, but it's more than just a curiosity about what happened to Peter. I ask this question about Peter because not only is it an interesting story, but it can be a question for us today. Because wouldn't we all like to be bold in our faith? right? Wouldn't we all like to know how Peter went from, well, I sink every time I get out of the boat to, I, I'm going to deny Jesus when the crowd gets too large and is asking me questions to Peter that stands before the greatest religious authority in the land and says, I'm going to follow God, regardless of what you say. Where did that Peter come from? Wouldn't we all like to be that bold in our faith? Wouldn't we all like to know that the things we think about God, the things we believe, the things we read, the things we are taught, would be the things that show up in the most challenging situations? That when, when, when things were pressing us, when we are challenged in our faith, that the bigger the challenge, the more bold we are. Wouldn't we like to understand how Peter grew in his faith this way? Wouldn't we like to know that in the situations where your faith is challenged the most is where we are able to respond with the most confidence and the most trust? Wouldn't you like to stand boldly like Peter and look whatever or whoever is challenging you in the face and declare, I've got to do what God wants me to do. Because there are so many things challenging our faith today. You decided to follow Jesus maybe at, at one point, but that's not a one-time decision. You make in church one day and then everything just falls in place, right? I That may have been your experience and I'm not trying to you know knock it if it is but i think most of us would say i became a christian and some things got harder my life's not perfect because i proclaim jesus following jesus is something we have to choose to do every day in our homes every day at work or at school while playing games while talking with strangers resolving conflicts as we choose our entertainment and on and on and on, right? We have to continue to follow Jesus, to choose, because the goal isn't just to know some information about Jesus. The goal is to follow him, his teachings, and ultimately to be made into his image, right? To be like Jesus. And the more we try to follow Jesus and, the lo- and live the lives that Jesus wants for us, the more resistance we might encounter Maybe you have family and friends that like things the way they are, and when you want to grow in your faith, they push back harder because they like things the way they are. Maybe you've heard criticisms about, well, you're a Christian now, so you must think you're better than than other people. You know, you think you're all high and mighty and holy and all that. You're too good for us now. Or maybe there are people in your life who have depended on you, like they expected you to act a certain way, and your faith, your relationship with Jesus is changing who you are, and it's disrupting that situation. There are people who benefit from your struggles or your weakness. There are people who like things exactly the way they are, and as you try to grow in your faith, there's resistance there. As you make drawing closer to Jesus a priority, there will be obviously people who support you and encourage you. I hope you find that this this church is a place, a community that, that helps you take those steps in faith and that there's a whole family of people that will encourage you and pray for you and support you as you try to grow in your faith. But there are also those who will feel judged, who will be afraid that Jesus will lead you away from them, that as you try to make yourself more like Jesus, that they won't measure up anymore. They might make you ask yourself why church is important to you. Why do you even want to be more like Jesus? Why would you want to follow this Jesus at all? There are others that might make you feel guilty for your commitment to following Jesus. There might be times where it comes at a cost your friends group, your colleagues, your family are planning on doing something and you can't participate because of other commitments to Jesus. They might find ways to actually prevent you from following Jesus. There are people, believe it or not, that will put stumbling blocks in your way to prevent you from growing in faith. It's a sad story, but as I've talked to people over the years as a pastor, I encounter that. People who know your weaknesses and your pains, and they use them against you, keep you from growing, to keep you right where you are, to keep the status quo. Or maybe your your work environment is a particular way, and following Jesus makes you stand out, and maybe not in a good way. Um, maybe you work in an environment where less than ethical behavior is rewarded. The guy that fudges the numbers, that cheats the things, that cooks the books, that doesn't follow the policies and rules, that's the one that's getting the promotions, the bonuses, the recognition. Maybe you're in an environment where, where your faith to Jesus, your integrity, your desire to be faithful to the teachings of Jesus means you have to um, forego some activities or events could be a networking opportunity or an opportunity to get in front of the right people. Right? Maybe this less than ethical behavior is the way forward. Maybe people who find loopholes or people that cheat the systems are the ones that get rewarded. Or maybe you have coworkers that see your commitment to be like Jesus a threat to their comfort. I remember when I started working in a warehouse uh, in college. And I was a hard worker. I actually enjoyed loading trucks, and my my supervisor, my manager, um, really enjoyed having me on the team, and I liked working for him. and And it was a really good environment. But after a couple months of me working there, he called me in the office, and he said, "I hear you're going to college." I said, "Yeah, I'm taking classes down the road at Olivet." And he said, "What are you studying?" I said, "Well, I'm studying to go into ministry. I'm studying to be a pastor." And this guy who has been the coolest guy in the whole wide world who I've never had a problem with looks me right in the face and says, I'm not changing for you. <laughs> I didn't ask. But his previous relationship with religion and religious people created a dynamic where just my presence made him uncomfortable. He's like, I'm going to keep swearing. I'm like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> right? <laughs> like it wasn't... But my, my presence there made him uncomfortable. And so your faith might make you an outsider. People might talk about you behind your back or right in front of you. I don't know, that happens too. Or they invite you to compromise your integrity to prove that you just aren't as good as you, you're presenting yourself. You ever been tested? <laughs> you say you're this holy person. You go to church every week, but come on, we're just going to do this thing. You're no better than us. It may not be corrupt religious leaders threatening us like Peter experienced, but following Jesus in such a way that upsets the status quo, that that threatens the status quo, will always be met with resistance by those who like things the way that they are. There will be these moments when we're asked to deny um, that we follow Jesus by the choices we make, or to boldly declare that we must follow Jesus. Jesus. I think most of us, if not all of us, would want to be in that camp that says, I want to declare it. I want people to know. When push comes to shove and when things get hard, I want my faith to come out, not to, to shrink away. But even despite our best intentions, we can struggle in these moments. Just like Peter did when the crowd approached him. He denied knowing Jesus in front of that crowd. And so we have these two pictures of Peter today. The picture of a Peter who denies knowing Jesus. The the picture of a Peter who, who during Holy Week shrinks away, doesn't even want to be affiliated with this group. And then a picture in the scripture that we read today that boldly follows Jesus even when it could cost him his life. And this brings us back to the original question. How did the Peter who denied Jesus to some strangers in a crowd, become the Peter who stood defiantly in front of the high priest and boldly say, I must follow God, not you. Because we want to be able to respond to things and not just react. Because we want the commitment we made to follow Jesus to be lived out in our lives every day. We want the thoughts and beliefs that we have about God to shape how we live, how we respond, right? And so this is a question not just about well, what happened with Peter, but it's a question about how do we live like Peter. So what changed for Peter? What happened? Well, Acts chapter 1 says that the resurrected Jesus appeared to the apostles. The resurrected Jesus, the one that that had been arrested, beaten, and crucified, and was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, he appeared to the apostles, and when he appeared to them, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come too. You're going to receive... Life and power through the Holy Spirit. And so the resurrection of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit changed everything for Peter. That's the moment where things shifted, where he went from, I don't know this guy, to I'm going to follow him even if it's going to cost me my life. Having a personal experience with the resurrected Jesus makes you bold. Having an encounter seeing Jesus, experiencing the resurrected Jesus, makes you bold. When you see and experience this new life that the resurrection reveals, it invites you not to trust in yourself, in your own abilities, not in your own strength, your own skill, but it invites you to trust in a Jesus who leads us in life eternal. It invites us to trust in this Jesus who has overcome death, whose spirit empowers us to be more like him. And so the challenge for us is not to find a better way to live to make our lives better. The challenge isn't for us to kind of be a self-help project, but rather the resurrection of Jesus reveals that the real challenge is to place all of our trust in the new life that Jesus has given us. And this new life is the same life that Jesus demonstrates. It, It cannot be defeated by the powers of this world. Peter witnessed everything that happened to Jesus. He saw the arrest. Right? He he knew of the beatings, of the trial. He knew of the crucifixion, the death of Jesus. And when he encounters the resurrected, the risen Lord, everything changes because he knows that there's a life that cannot be defeated by death. And it gives him this boldness. So after seeing Jesus alive, after the you know, seeing everything that has happened to him, he in everything that Jesus endured Peter now has the boldness to declare, I'm following that guy. <laughs> right? That's the way. There's a lot of different options, but that's the way. That's the guy that I'm following. There's something to this way of Jesus. You can threaten me, you can make me uncomfortable, you can even hurt me, try and get me to do what you want me to do, but I'm going to follow this way of this one who lives despite being killed. I'm going to follow God, not you. And so the invitation for all of us today is to be bold as you take your next step in faith. Right? So the the idea today is, is bold like Jesus. It's not just bold, right? We're not trying to be brash. We're not trying to be arrogant. We're not trying to be cocky. We're not trying to be obnoxious. But we're trying to be bold like Jesus. Bold in the way that he was bold. Bold in our desire to live like him. Right? The invitation for us today is to be bold as you take your next step of faith. Next steps is a a thing that I've introduced a while back here and I'm going to continue to talk about. If you have your bulletin and you go to the back, there's a list of the things we've identified as next steps of faith here at this church. For some people, visiting might be the bold next step. Right, you go back 10 years ago, that probably wouldn't make the list. Because obviously, if you're hearing the message, you've, you've come, you've visited. Um, but it's on there now because we have people that engage with us online. That hear about us through Facebook or hear about us through relationships with other people. You know, Through the, through the daycare, through the staff, through relationships that we have with them. And so they have connected with us in a peripheral way, and maybe their bold next step is just to visit, to walk through the doors of a church. It might be their bold next step. And so we as a church have begun keeping track of those who visit and celebrate those who do. The bold next step might be for you to connect with others in fellowship. You might come to church on Sunday but aren't part of the life of the church And so maybe your next step might be to participate in a Sunday school class or a small group. Maybe your bold next step might be to even to lead, host a group. But to gather together in Christian fellowship outside of a worship gathering where we can actually talk about our lives and pray for one another and care for one another's needs. Your bold next step might be to serve Jessica shared in the announcements we're looking for some help in the nursery. That might be a bold next step for you. Say, I'm going to come to church not to see what I can get, but to see what I can give. That might be a change of attitude. That might be the next step as you try to follow Jesus. Your bold next step might be baptism. Maybe you believe things in your head, but you've never taken that step um, physically and announced to the world that you are a Christian. Maybe your bold next step is, is to uh, give some money to the church. <laughs> maybe you've never put any money in the offering box. I don't make a big deal about it. I'm trying to figure out kind of where we go from here. Is, uh, uh, you know, COVID offering changed and trying to figure out what, like, what we do after that. And anyways, I don't make a big deal about offering. Probably that's a bad thing. Um, but maybe your bold next step is to give... To sit down and say, "I, I think I need this money more than, than somebody else," but Jesus tells me to be generous, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna learn to be generous and trust that God's gonna take care of me. Um, or maybe your bold next step is to invite somebody else to church. <laughs> that can be scary, right? What if they say no? What if they say yes and they find out how weird we are? <laughs> Right? It could be a bold next step to invite somebody to church. So those might be our bold next steps. When we are confronted with hard moments in our lives, the scripture today teaches us that we don't put our trust in our own understanding. Don't put it in our own abilities. Don't put it in our own strength. Peter failed when he tried to do these things on his own. Witnessing the resurrected Jesus, receiving the Spirit that Jesus promised, changed everything. So be bold in your faith by putting your trust completely in the life and in the Spirit that God has given us. The resurrected Jesus is evidence that God can be trusted. Right? The resurrected Jesus is evidence that God can be trusted, God is faithful. The way that Jesus teaches us is the way. Choosing to follow Jesus is never the wrong choice. So we can put the last little slide up. This is what I want us to close with today. Be bold. Bold like Jesus, not because you are strong, but because God is worthy of our trust. Right? Be bold, not because you can count on yourself, because you have the ability, you have the skill, you have the, uh, the know-how, but be bold, be bold because God is worthy of our trust. The resurrected Jesus is evidence that God is faithful.